Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. In 1961, after Yuri Gagarin became the first human in space, it was reported that he said, I see no God up here. Now, Gagarin probably didn't actually say that. Uh, Perhaps it was uh, Soviet propaganda or simply an atheistic, uh, wishful thinking rumor. But it's essentially saying that Christianity, because we believe in the ascension, Uh, Well, that's easily disproved by the lack of a visible God, even in outer space. But this is similar to to new atheistic propaganda that that tears down a straw man, uh, tearing down something that we don't actually believe. Uh, Atheists think that the ascension is simply a convenient way for Christians uh, to explain God's absence. I, I heard of a woman recently who who grew up seriously troubled at this, uh, the supposed claim, why, why didn't they see him, she wondered. And a lot of people think this way, especially when, when terrible things happen. Where is God? But Jesus' ascension is not about him going to a specific place so that we might see him. Rather, pretty much every lesson in Scripture that deals with the ascension talks about it is that Jesus ascends to the Father, to the right hand of the Father, not to a specific place, but rather to fill all things. When he ascends into heaven, heaven doesn't receive him as if Jesus needed a new place to stay. Rather, Jesus is ascending into heaven, taking heaven into himself, receiving heaven into himself, taking all things into himself, truly filling all things through his human nature. You know, but we don't really know how to talk about this. You know, it's like when we say that the sun rises and falls. Well, the sun really doesn't rise or fall. Uh, but, but to talk about heaven and, and where God resides, we talk about ascending and, and sitting. Uh, we talk about places and realms. But notice that when Acts tells us that when Jesus was taken up into heaven, Luke says that a cloud hid him, uh, took him out of their sight. Now, he's not commenting on the weather, but he's making a theological point. If you know your Bible, you know that whenever God appears in a cloud, it's a statement on God's exalted state. God's power, God's glory, God's authority. God appeared in the cloud to Moses on Mount Sinai to give the law. In a foreshadow of the ascension, God takes Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind. And then as Jesus is transfigured in the presence of Moses and Elijah, a bright cloud overshadowed Peter, James, and John, who were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So Jesus is hidden by the cloud, meaning that he is exalted over all things according to his human nature. Just as Moses and Elijah were real men who were able to be taken up and to stand in the presence of a holy and just God, 
Jesus ascends in the same. And Jesus will come back in the same way. We have seen him go into heaven as true man. This is a major, major doctrine and theme of Christianity, the nature of Christ. That Christ, as true man and true God, cannot be separated. And this is really perhaps the most immensely comforting doctrine. Jesus said in John chapter 3, No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man who is in heaven. And by that he means that he did not leave heaven when he came down to us on earth. And so also, he does not leave earth when he goes up again into heaven. While he was on earth, he limited himself in his humiliation. He bound himself to a specific place according to his human nature. I think Jesus needed to go off and rest, to get away from the crowds, to lay down his head, to sleep. Which is to say that when Jesus was on earth in his humiliation, he wasn't close enough. Now, because of his ascension, he is very near, because he fills all things. This is why the angels say to the disciples, why are you standing here looking up into the sky? Because by ascending, Jesus is no longer bound to a specific place according to his human nature, but he is still with you there. He is now with you through his human nature. And this doctrine, this, this fact means something, and it's a through line in every mention of the ascension. Uh, this is how Isaiah explains it, as he did in our Old Testament lesson. Certainly, this is what the high and lofty one says, who dwells with his people forever, and whose name is holy. I dwell in a high and holy place, yet also with the one who is crushed and lowly in spirit. To, re to revive the spirit of those who have been pushed down and to revive the hearts of those who have been crushed. As Jesus was preparing his disciples for his departure, and we've been reading this you know, the last few Sundays uh, in our gospel lesson from, from John chapter 14 to 16, Jesus says, Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You know, for most people, if someone says to, to you, don't worry, it'll be okay, and then leaves, it's like, well, gee, thanks for the help. You know, we tend to say some pretty vague things, too, some pretty vague cliches when things get difficult. You know, on Tuesday night, social media lit up with things like sending thoughts and prayers to Texas. That we're standing with you in spirit. Well, those are all absolutely empty and meaningless. And we know it. We feel it. But when Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid, because of the ascension, his words are qualitatively different. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Take heart. 
He ascends so that he might watch over us and be with us even in the darkest of times. That our hearts may not be weighed down, but lifted up to where he is. Recall that after his ascension, when Jesus called the Apostle Paul, he spoke to him from heaven. And he said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? In other words, Jesus feels the pain of the entire church. Jesus says, at the last day, I was hungry and you gave me food. Jesus feels the pain of the entire world. My grandpa died when I was in seminary, and one of my seminary professors came to offer some comfort. And you know, when death happens, you expect to hear one of those vague cliches. But he said, the Lord is with you. That's the promise of the ascension. The Lord is with you. And he feels what you feel, because he is true man who fills all things. And so also for that reason, Jesus knows intimately the weakness of our human perceptions. How often we don't feel him in our lives and how often we forget his presence. So notice what Jesus does immediately before ascending. He institutes holy baptism. Saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And then he says, lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. And this, by the way, is actually the second time Jesus visibly left his disciples. The first was when he died. And then, just as he did at the ascension, so too the night when he was betrayed, he also gave another gift to us. His last testament. The New Testament in his blood, the Lord's Supper. And then when Jesus next appeared to his disciples, he gives them another gift. The gift of the Holy Spirit saying to them, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. Now think about what these three things are. Baptism, Holy Communion, and and, and Holy Absolution. They are Christ for us on earth. The ascension means that, that Christ is everywhere with us, according to his human nature, for he's not bound to one location, but he promises to be with us and for us here in very specific means. Water, word, bread, and wine. Not just symbolically, not just spiritually, but really, because he fills all things. And what Jesus is doing through these means is descending to us so that he may raise us up to him so that we might be made partakers of his divine nature. He joins us in our human nature so that we can join him in his. This is why the church before each baptism and before Holy Communion says this in her liturgy, what's known as the Sursum Corda, lift up your heart. And you know the response. We lift them up unto the Lord. St. Augustine viewed the Sursum Corda as the most succinct uh, description of the church's vocation and particularly the office of pastor. 
And I mentioned this to you before, and I, I, the more I think about it, the more this is absolutely true, that by declaring Jesus to you through the forgiveness of sins, by water, word, bread, and wine, your heart can be lifted up. Lifted up above all the problems in the world because Christ has all things under his feet and all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. Your heart can be lifted up above all the pain and suffering caused by your own sin because you have received Christ's words of forgiveness from the mouth of the pastor. By ascending into heaven, the seal of approval is placed on your redemption. The unbelieving world, with their hearts weighed down with the problems of sin and evil, may say like Gagarin, I see no God up here, but lift up your hearts. Because Christ is not bound to one location, but he comes down to earth to you and for you so that you who are his body may be where he is in the glory of the Father. There is no distinction between Christ as man and God. There is no distinction between Christ in heaven and Christ on earth. You and I are the body of Christ. He is the head, and where the head is there full well, I know his members are to dwell. You cannot be separated from Christ. He is with you, and you are with him. He is with you today in his body and blood forgiving your sins, relieving your guilt, sharing your pain, bearing your burdens, healing your grief. Jesus' presence and his promise to return in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven to bring you body and soul into heaven is what frees you, what lifts you up from the pressures and worries of this life. So lower your eyes to where Jesus is for you today and lift up your hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.